Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. And we want to welcome everyone listening on Hope FM in Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, our friends down on Truth FM. I think you guys are like South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, and of course on a lot of different low-power FM stations around the country. We welcome you to today's program. Now, I want to remind you that uh, if you're not listening live on the Grace FM radio network, then you're hearing this broadcast a week delayed. So knowing the the way things are happening uh, throughout the country today, things could be very different by the time this airs in your community. Uh, and so as you are listening, uh, be able to listen carefully and distill the wisdom that will be shared and the thoughts as we uh, do, you know, even in response to what Jesus said, he told to churches in Revelation, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. And so I'm, I'm eager for us to hear what the Spirit has to say. Now, of course, if you're listening online, gracefm.com, or you're listening on the Grace FM radio network, you're listening live, and we're glad that you're here, and we welcome you to the program. Today is day two of a discussion that uh, we have the privilege of having on the topic of, of racial tension, racism, how the church uh, plays a role in that, how, how does God want to use us in these last days? What, what is it uh, that we're to learn and grow in? And yesterday we had a special guest, Pastor John Moreland, uh, from the, uh, he's the president of the Colorado Baptist Association. He's also uh, the pastor of Denver Christian Bible Church in Denver and, and a good friend of mine since he moved to Denver. Uh, today's program, uh, we have another good friend of mine who I've known much longer uh, Pastor Bill Buffington and I go way, way back uh, to days of being uh, at the same church, attending the same church in Southern California. Today, Pastor Bill pastors a thriving church in Inglewood, California, and I want you to join me in welcoming Pastor Bill Buffington to today's program. Hey, Pastor Ed. Bill, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm okay. I'm sorry I gave you the wrong time to call in. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even think it through. I looked at the clock. I said, "Oh yeah, call," and uh, forgot that you're an hour behind us. So thanks for taking the time, investing your time in the radio community. There's a lot of listeners uh, that that are tuned in right now and will listen to the podcast, and and we're grateful that you joined us. I'm blessed to be here with you, man, especially to be here with you. So blessed to be here. So for the sake of those listening in, uh, would you give us a brief introduction of who you are and and uh, where what how, how you got saved, where you're pastoring, just something that would give the opportunity for people to, to get to know you a little better? 
Yeah, um, I grew up in Inglewood, uh, which is uh, in, in near L.A. So for those that aren't familiar with California, most people know L.A. So uh, it's an inner city area of L.A. So growing up there my whole life and uh, didn't grow up Christian, didn't grow up in a Christian home. I uh, got caught up in, you know, lots of worldly things and I sold drugs and was in alcohol and a number of things at 19 a friend of mine I grew up with, um, radically born again, uh, moved into an apartment building where I was living with a girl and led me to Christ. Um, you know, shared the gospel multiple times and eventually just the reality hit me, you know, that I was I was gonna go to hell and that God was trying to reach out to me. So um in nineteen ninety five, uh, October of nineteen ninety five, uh surrendered my life to Christ and received him as my Lord, Savior. Um Pretty radical changes right away. The Lord delivered me from alcohol, uh, broke up with a girl I was um, shacked up with and had a child with, Um, started going to church and uh, met my wife two months after I got saved. She was a Christian. Uh, So God put someone in my life to love him and I've been married to her now for uh, 23 years and uh, we raised four kids together. So um, there was, as I got going in my walk with the Lord, there was always this strong desire to, to serve God in the same community where I had served the devil, where I had done so much damage in my younger life. So, um, there was lots of years of preparation, Bible college, serving the Lord at another church. But in May of 2010, God opened the door for me to plant a church in Inglewood. And so, uh, we just celebrated 10 years, uh, in May, uh, since we planted the church. And so, uh, we are going strong, loving Jesus, and making disciples in the city of Inglewood, and it's been a blessing. Well, we're welcome. Uh, I'm so grateful that, like you, you and I are really strong examples that God can and will use anyone from any background. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Like the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So let's start. Let's start right at the heart of of the the difficulty here, knowing all that's going on, uh, knowing of the protests, knowing of the rioting, knowing of uh, really uh, the loss of life, George Floyd, Ahmad Aburi, and is it Breonna Taylor? Um, yep. Uh, knowing those are the the recent examples that have started the uprising uh, and started the protest. I want to start by asking, how are you doing on a personal level? Just how are you doing personally? I'm, I'm personally doing well, and uh, and I would say the the reason why I'm doing well, I, I really do believe that just uh, everything filters through my relationship with the Lord, and I think that's that is it's the Bible. It, it's an anchor for my soul. Those truths. Um, it, I will say these have been challenging days. Um, is you know people's you know everyone's emotions are high um there's there's a lot of things to see i i feel deeply um you know about a lot of the things that i'm seeing um as i'm interacting with different people in the body of christ that's probably the most difficult thing for me right now is seeing that believers um where i believe the world should be coming for the answers um that there seem to be, you know, discrepancies uh, or or even division among believers as to what's going on here and what should be done, and so uh, those things weigh heavy upon my heart because, again, I'm, I'm looking at a lost world, people that are crying and begging for answers, 
and I really believe that the church is where is, is where they should be able to come and find truth and answers and peace and resolution um, to the things that are happening in our world. And so uh, my, my, that's my heart. I, I, that's what I want so badly for uh, the people that I see that are hurting, that are crying out, is uh, that they would meet Jesus and that the church would be a we'd be in a healthy place to, to win them, to lead them, and to point them to Jesus. So from your perspective, do you think that the, the difficulties that you're experiencing with the body of Christ, you know, and, and you and I have already spoken, so we've had a previous conversation to this mm-hmm. uh, that the audience may not be privy to, but we, you know, as we're talking to different people, we're getting different opinions, we're getting strong opinions on one side, strong opinions on another side, uh, as I was talking with the staff on Wednesday, just really open forum discussion, like it's one more massive division uh, among, uh, in our culture, of course, but in the body of Christ. Um, it, do, what do we, how can we, how can we uh, approach, or even as Pastor John used yesterday, attack the racial and cultural divides that we see and feel and, and are real. Like for, I guess for some people we have to convince them that they're real. Um, some right. people don't even believe that, that it's real and that they have, you know, it gets co-opted with opinions and co-opted with all the political issues. But, but I'm, I think you and I, I mean, I don't think I know you and I already agree that it's real. Uh, so from, from where you sit, uh, how can we, or how do we, or where do we start attacking or addressing the racial and cultural divides in a godly way? I, I think the first thing that, that would be really helpful and, and, and would move things forward, I think that within the church, um, there, there should be, you know, dialogue. And, um, and it's got, you know, white, black, Hispanic, you know, uh, across different, you know, um, different racial lines that there's to be conversation where, just we understand, you know, maybe there there could be things happening in the Hispanic community that I'm not really privy to. I'm not Hispanic. I'm black, and so um, I need to be I need to be hearing from my brothers there that that my heart would would be with them. That I would understand um, that even the things that I might say to minister would be informed, you know. And so I think that's one thing that there be healthy dialogue among brothers, um, hearing one another out, you know, hearing different perspectives, but. Um, I, I think everything has to have the, the, the end goal has to be that we're we're seeking to move forward. You know, we want we want to we want to make progress. We want to we want to overcome here. We want to help each other to overcome. But I think we, in order to do that, we have to understand. Um, like right now in the in the black community, you know, there, you know, people are really upset, upset, uh, afraid. Um, it's a number of things that when these things happen, it, it, it floods through our community, you know, where, um, you know, it, it's the sense of, wow, this can happen and, and, and people can get away with it. And even, even in a day where, you know, things get caught on camera, um, and that seems to be making a difference, you know, that, that the, everybody's awareness of these things um, is causing um, even police departments to feel this pressure to do something. Um, but and that, that, that's in the world sense, I think in the, the church, though, um, I think conversations need to be had on, on both sides that we would understand, hey, what are the frustrations? What is it that you guys are crying out for? Why are people 
rioting. I've, I've had people ask that, you know, well, you know, I don't understand why people are, are rioting. Um, I, I mean, there's an answer for that. You know, there's a, I could, I could explain it, you know, um, it's, it, it's not that I agree with it, but I definitely understand why people are out rioting. Um, and, and there are people that look and they just have no idea. It just doesn't make sense uh, why people would do that. So yeah. I think just having an understanding that we would truly understand what other people are going through, um, that there could be compassion, that there could be genuine concern, uh, but also that we could, we could meet people where they're at with truth and with the gospel. Yeah, I think in these conversations, you know, there's a couple of different uh, a, a couple of different responses that I've I've encountered um, recently, and and one, of course, is is pretty obvious, and that's a defensiveness, like a defensiveness of of you know uh, the maybe the first response is I'm not racist, and then with that thought is to dismiss all of the other realities, or uh, I don't believe the church is racist, or I don't uh, all of the all of the, the the defensive mechanisms that somebody will come up uh, will build up. What would you say to someone that that would say, you know what, Bill? Uh, I don't really think uh, the church is racist. I don't think that we have a racial problem in the church. Uh, what would you say to something like that? Yeah, I mean, I would even in this situation right here, I would say, you know, how come so many you know non-black churches, white churches, had nothing to say about you know. George Floyd, George, I'm sorry, George Floyd, uh, there was nothing said. There was no comments made. There was people that comment on everything. They, you know, there's something to say about everything. They had nothing to say on this issue. Um, and even, you know, what I encountered from pastors and Christians uh, was people that had things to say that were, were not helpful, you know, uh, people that were suggesting that, you know, we don't have all the facts, Um that potentially there's, there's information that when it does come out, we'll understand why the cops had to handle this the way that they did. Or um, yesterday I had a pastor who, you know, to t- two black people who are hurting over this said, you know, well, you know, he was a, a criminal. You know, they pulled up his record. They said he had a record. And as though uh, this, these are Christians, this is not the world. I could The world could do that. And I would say, yeah, you know, it's the world, man. But these are pastors, Christian leaders doing this. And so it would be hard to look at that and say if there's not a racial issue or um, some kind of a divide, something that's unhealthy there, um, where there's not even a compassion for a man that was killed, whose family is mourning his death, and a community that's mourning a death of a black man. And the response is, you know, well, this guy was a criminal, as though that you know, as though that makes it okay. And I think those things, um, when I hear those things said, I know that, man, there's a problem in the church um, as far as how we're approaching this. And there definitely is, you know, racism in the world, but unfortunately, you know, you can see it and feel it in the church as well. And it goes both ways. You know, I think racism, it comes from every side. So it's it's something that um, I think pastors need to lead, um, something we need to you know, as, as we come to text and, and we see the Gentile Jew issue, uh, I think we have to really be clear with our body that this is this is not the way of the believer. You know, that, that I mean, I'm in Revelation. I want to see every tribe, nation, and tongue. That's what's going to be in heaven. I want to, I want to embrace that now. You know, I want to embrace the different types of people now. I, I think pastors have to teach it. We have to live it. We have to um, demonstrate it, model it to the body. Um, 
And it's, it's something as we, as we encounter it, I think in our bodies, we, we have to deal with it. You know, I think to, to ignore it, to, to act like it's not there um, is part of the problem. We'll, we'll cause it to continue to persist. So uh, when we see it, I think we should call it and, and speak to it. I, I appreciate that. I've, I've adopted something over the years um, with all kinds of controversial topics. Um, of course, this is a highly, this, this type of racial tension, racism in the church, um, how it gets co-opted by other political views and, and how, it gets, how it gets muddied in the, in the waters of culture. And, and, and it's, it's got these, these polarizing opposites. Um, and I've, I've adopted something over the years that, that has helped me. And, and that is, we, we almost always, uh, we, we live in like a either or mentality and it's either or. And, and, in, and so I either have to choose A and then just destroy B, although that's the way our culture is, right? Nobody knows how to talk anymore um, and even disagree without destroying their, each other. Uh, and, and if I choose A, then I, then I have to be against B. Or if you choose B, you have to be against A. But, but I, I think there's an alternative, and that is you can choose both. You can actually have value for both. Uh, and, and so I can, uh, the way I would apply it here is that, yeah, I could, I, I could acknowledge that this man, um, uh, George, for, for example, George, he died uh, and he was mistreated, uh, murdered. And I can, I can grieve for him. Um, I can be sad for him and I can open up my heart to learn from, from others of how I can be more effective uh, in loving and caring and building bridges of friendship so that ultimately the gospel can go forth. Um, but at the same time, I can also love law enforcement because not all yeah. law enforcement is evil. And, and I find, I've been finding it hard, even I'm not on Facebook anymore, but uh, on Instagram, which is kind of becoming like Facebook, there's this it's it's like if you choose something then almost it brings out the worst in people to say well then if you choose a then you have to be you have to hate b um if if have you also seen that do, do you how do you navigate through uh how do you navigate through that because how do right. you personally navigate through this hey bill if you take this side then you're a sellout or you're a whatever names you might be called uh, how do you deal with that yeah, I, I think it's, it's true. I mean, in, in the one sense, you know, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm a black man. So when I see something happen to black people, I'm, 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 yeah, I take up that cause, you know, I minister in a black community, you know, and, and, and so I, I do take, I take that up. That's, I'm a black man. I have black sons. I care about this at the same time. You know, there, there are people in our body that are police officers, Actually, the guy that led me to Christ is a law enforcement officer. So um, I do think, you know, there are people that want to make it one or the other. But um, I'm, I'm for the justice of this black man that was killed in the streets. Um, I'm also, you know, my heart goes out to the police officers who now, because of him, uh, because, of what, because of what bad cops do, um, I think that there becomes a target on the back of, you know, good law enforcement, you know, those that are out there doing their job and, you know, loving their families and uh, protecting our communities. And so uh, I do think we have to be careful that we don't, we don't throw them all in the basket. I made sure this, this last week that 
all the guys that I know personally, the guys in my church, the guys that I'm friends with that are serving, I make sure to either call or text and let them know that they love them and I'm praying for them. You know, that, um, you know, everybody is not that way. And I think um, in the same way that I wouldn't want people to say all black people are like this, you know, uh, I, I believe there's wicked in every culture. There's, but there's wicked people of every shade of every profession. I'm a pastor. There's wicked men that, that call themselves pastors. So I don't want to be thrown in the basket with those guys. I also wouldn't throw all the good cops in a basket with, those that we catch doing wicked things you know we just we want those that are doing wickedness to be dealt with and to be held accountable um and brought to justice and um i I think we can we can like you said there can be both i can still you know be balanced in my view of law enforcement uh and in my desire for justice and not just throw throw out the baby with the bathwater so I think that's there's great wisdom. You know, the years that I've known you, the years that uh, we've been able to talk and connect. You're a reasonable, uh, level-headed man that that desires uh, the gospel to be at the forefront of everything that you do and say, and the life that you live. So, so take us into your office. Somebody comes into your office. Bill is super upset by this. Uh, you begin to reason with them, and they immediately begin to attack you. Uh, they begin to think, to say, in their own defense mechanism, like, uh, I don't understand why you're not taking this view, Bill. Why aren't you taking a stronger stand? Why aren't you standing up? Why aren't you saying something? Any of those things uh, help us understand how you you would handle a scenario like that, that somebody's coming in, they're obviously responding to this, but they are unreasonable, and you're trying to bring them back to a reasonable answer. You're not trying to talk them out of their view. You're trying to bring mm-hmm. them back to a reasonable answer, get their eyes on the Lord, uh, and 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 if you could, you know, and I know you may use a real-life example or may not, but uh, right. you don't have to use names, so, of so, course, so, but help is, us is understand. This black, is, is this a black person that's mad at the injustice and wants me to do more about it, or is this a white person that's mad at me for, you know, standing with, huh. you know, standing for Floyd George and, 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 and George Floyd and wanting justice for him. I didn't um, think of it that way, but I think both. Give us both. I've had, I've had both. So uh, if it's a black person and they're just, and I've had this, I've had grown men that are, that are upset to the point of tears, angry. And, and this is what I just, just did this on, it was a Tuesday. And I just walked with a man and I said, look, you know, let, let me, let's, let, I hear, let me, I let him pour out everything he had to say and why he was angry and why it was frustrating and, and what's happened to him. This is a black man that's married to a white woman. So adds another layer on top of his own frustration. And so we just walk through the gospel from there. And this is what the, this is, this is how the gospel addresses that you're guilty, but you've been forgiven. Um, we still live in a broken fallen world and there, there, I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything that can be done to change the fact that our world is wicked. There will be wicked men. Um, there will be wicked men governing other wicked men until Jesus comes back and he rules and reigns. And so until then, you know, you got to take solace in the fact that God is sovereign over your life, and you've got to see it that way. You can't see it as though, you know, there, there's nobody that's in charge of your life that's above God. Anything that happens to you as a believer has to pass by Him. Um, all things are working together for those that love God and that are the called according to His purpose. And so 
you got to walk in, in that kind of faith. Yes, it's fallen. Yes, there's wickedness. There's no promise that it's going to be taken away. We're not going to be able to vote it out. We're not going to march enough to, to take it out. Um, the issue is a gospel issue that people's hearts have to change. And so as a church, we share the gospel. We should pray for that officer that's in jail now for what he did and the other officers. They need Christ. They need to be born again. They need to be forgiven. As we're praying for George Floyd and all the other people and their families that have lost a loved one, that they would find Christ because anywhere else that anybody turns in their hurt, in their anger, in their frustration or whatever, they're going to come up empty. And the same is true for you, you know, the person that's in the office. If you're looking anywhere but to Christ to resolve this, to settle this, you're going to come up empty. And so um, I, I got to take solace in those truths. I just, the, the justice that I deserve was, was meted out on Jesus. Um, and I may not see justice on earth. I'll, I'll pray that we do. I'll pray that there's justice. I'll pray that things get better. But we might not see it on earth. There will ultimately be justice across the board. Um, God is the judge, and God will deal with everything that's ever happened. I gotta, I gotta be okay with that, because if I take it up and make it my thing, as though there, what can I do? And sometimes the truth is, you know, there's not anything you're going to be able to do, and so there's nothing more frustrating than trying to fix something you can't fix. And sometimes it's it's, it's healthy to put those things back where they belong. I got to give that back to the Lord. This is His world; these are His problems. I live in it. But I'm submitted to him. And so I got to chat. If, if I let anger overtake me and anger leads me to sin, now I become part of the problem where God was wanting me to be part of the solution. I'm a light bearer. I bear the image of God. I'm supposed to be bringing the gospel into these dark places and into, into lost people. And I can't lose sight of that. I can't be so angry that I lose sight of the fact that this is my mission. My mission is to bring Christ into the darkness. He's the answer. He's the only thing that will make a difference in this world. Um, and that's, that's what I believe with all my heart, Ed. That's what I would say to a guy that was angry and frustrated and in tears about the condition of the world in which we live um, on that side of it. How about the other side? Okay, so someone, someone's a white person in there, and I, I, I literally had this. You know, someone's upset that, Someone was upset with my view I, I, because I said that, you know, um, that uh, I, I disagree with the riots, but I understand them. And, um, and so to that person, um, you know, saying this, is, this person's already a believer, so you got to tell me in our scenario, am I dealing with a believer or a non-believer? Because that makes a difference. Sure. <laughs> well, either way, like, so th- let's say, let's start with the believer since that's, primarily the audience of of the program right. first and we got two minutes so give me a minute and a half and then we'll come back at the top of the hour right. we got a call and then we can finish this thought so to the believer i would say you know free as you watch these people riot realize that that it's it's an unfortunate thing that this is how we get justice rodney king riot beat a man caught on camera all the officers were acquitted then we rioted then after we rioted, and I was part of those riots, wasn't saved yet, then we got justice. Two officers went to jail. The other two were fired. That's the pattern in the black community. We don't typically get justice initially. It's not until we riot, not until we tear up a city. So while it's a terrible response and it's terrible that people do it, it's also terrible that there's, un- there's an injustice on the front side that we live with. And both are wrong, 
um, and maybe just understanding it, not accepting it, not not thinking it's okay, but it'd be helpful if you if you just understood maybe why they're crying out, why they're so mad, why they're so frustrated, because they can be killed on TV and nothing be done about it. Everybody goes home except them, um, and they want something to be done about it. And people without Christ are doing what they can do, and they look at the riots, chaos. So. Well, good. I hope you guys are enjoying and receiving um, the the wisdom that Pastor Bill Buffington sharing with us. Uh, and I use that word enjoying uh, on purpose. I want you to take joy in hearing a fellow brother in Christ share with us his point of view from his side of the desk, from real life ministry experiences, but also real life period. Uh, we have a lot to learn as we listen and you hear the music. We're coming up on the only break of the show, 303-690-3000. We'll start taking calls, and we'll continue this discussion. This is Calvary Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's program. You're listening to Calvary Live. Uh, just in case you're tuned in or stumbled upon this station, we welcome you up and down the front range here in Colorado from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down into the Pueblo West area, Colorado Springs, Fountain, Denver. We, we welcome you. Uh, if you're listening on another radio network like Hope FM or Truth FM, or you might be podcasting this. I know these have been uh, extremely popular programs. We've had a lot of feedback, a lot of input, uh, both today, uh, people anticipating today's program and yesterday. And we're going to do a few more. I just um, uh, booked for next Thursday. Pastor Al Pittman will be joining me. Uh, I tried to get him in studio and come teach, uh, but he wasn't able to do it. Uh, so we'll, we'll have the conversation anyway. Uh, Pastor Al is a, a, a strong Voice here on Grace FM, so you guys can mark your calendars next Thursday. Uh, so whatever the topic might be, you know, you can podcast this program. You, wherever you get your podcast, uh, just put in Calvary Live, uh, and it should pop up. Subscribe to it, and uh, the Monday through Friday program gets uh, posted about a week later or so. Uh, and this is something you can uh, forward. You can, um, you know, send the link, uh, because we need to be talking about these things. Don't... Don't think for a moment that it's going to pass. It, it never passes. Um, this, the, the tension of this particular sin has been a scourge uh, on humanity from, uh, from, from a for a long time. It's been a scourge in our own country since its inception. Uh, and if we just kind of approach it like, well, you know, we'll get over it and we'll move on and we want to get back to normal. The, God doesn't want it to be back to normal. He wants us to live supernaturally. He wants us to respond in a biblical, godly way. He wants us to learn and listen. Uh, he wants us to have, as, as we learned in the first half, he wants us to, to have dialogue and compassion with one another and, and to have empathy with one another. And so our guest on the program today is a good friend of mine uh, from way, way back, many years now, uh, Pastor Bill Buffington, who pastors Calvary Chapel in Inglewood, California, just like outside of Los Angeles. Welcome back, uh, Pastor Bill. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Ed. 
And uh, if you guys didn't miss, if you missed the first half, uh, we we were just talking about various questions, trying to be raw, uh, trying to be um, you know as real as possible. Like uh, Bill's not a fake guy, I'm not a fake guy, and even re- realizing that you may or may not like the answers, but we're grateful you're listening. We're grateful that you're open. Uh, maybe you're stuck on this polarizing. You're, you're just stuck, uh, and we got a text that came through. I thought it was very appropriate. And again, we'll read things. You can agree with them. You don't agree with them. Um, I happen to agree with it. It says Christians have to turn off CNN and Fox News. Um, they are foremost tools uh, that uh, have, have uh, it's, he called, the person calls it lunacy. But I, I put it this way. Uh, I say that I told the church, that, I told the church this, because I think we do need to stay informed, but re- recognize news media's biases. But here's the thing. We, I told the church, that I put it this way for you that text in, um, that an, an hour reading the Bible will do you far more good than an hour staring at the news. And it will feed your soul. It will encourage you. It will give you the right perspective. Uh, you know with today's media that even if you skip the news one night, you can always wake up to the news in the morning. Um, I prefer to read my news because then I can control what I take in uh, and and then cut off if I don't want to handle it. But I do think we need to control the sources of information we have. So thank you guys for choosing Grace FM. Now, right before the break, and then we've got a call that was from yesterday that we want to take today. But uh, before we get to the call, Bill, we were talking about, uh, and you are allowing us a glimpse uh, of what it's like to be on in your office or on the phone with you from your perspective as a black pastor growing up in a, a black community, having to deal with the systemic issues of racism and the systemic issues that uh, some people might even deny exist, uh, but, yeah. but certainly they do exist and you've lived with them. And so now you're pastoring. God has redeemed you. And I learned something about you because uh, I remember uh, I was saved when the Rodney King riots, I was working that night. I worked for an ambulance company in Montebello and I was working the night of the riots and how they shut down the city. And, and I didn't know that I was, it, it was, you were one of the people that were involved in the riots and you were making your voice yeah. known as an unbeliever. Um, it was an outlet for you to um, express the feelings and emotions that you had that night. And uh, so I, I learned something new about you. And, and, but now you're redeemed, born again. You're ministering uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're changed from the inside out. And you were telling us about a scenario. And, and we actually have um, we had the scenario of ministering to another black man. Uh, and you mentioned one in particular that was an adult uh, crying, very emotional, and you you were ministering to them. And then we have the white man uh, you were ministering to and the views that he had, and that was a Christian one. Did we have a, a third option, an unbeliever that, that you would have? That have you, do you have an example of an unbeliever that's you, that would, you would let us in on what it sounds like for you to minister to them? So, so, the, uh, so I, I, I've had an unbeliever that was Hispanic. Um, I, I, me and my son breed dogs. And um, so I deal with, in the dog breeder, the dogs I deal with, we deal with a lot of different guys. They're not all Christians. One guy in particular, a Hispanic guy, um, we do a lot of stuff with him. We've been witnessing to him, and um, he put up a post. He was seeing all the the black people that were posting, um, and he put up a thing, and he was very upset. He he cursed, he said, you know, blank, you know, the Black Lives Matter. Um, What about this? And it was a picture of, 
uh, some of the children that have been separated from their parents because of ISIS and there were kids in cages. And, you know, he had a Mexican flag there and uh, he was getting, you know, you know, celebrated with some Hispanic people, some black people were chewing them up. And I felt like, God, what would be the gospel, you know, what would be the gospel move here? And so I didn't, I, I could have said nothing, but I didn't. I, I went on this thing and I said, hey, bro, I said, um, what happened to George Floyd was wrong. Um, the trauma of, you know, ripping kids away from parents. I said, man, that's wrong. These things are all heartbreaking. And in, in, in their own way, they're wrong. I said, um, I, I hear what you're saying. I love you, man. And I, I'm praying that God would make the difference in, in our world. And I didn't want to say nothing because God has something to say. I know he's not a believer. He doesn't really know the Lord. But I just wanted him to know I heard you. I love you. Um, I, I hear that you're, you're hurt over that. You were so hurt, you put up a post. And, and you made it known that you felt that way. And I, I feel like I wish the church would do more along those lines. Um, it wouldn't have been a good time for me to p- be political with him. You know, it wouldn't have been a good time for me to pick a political side and, and make a political argument with him. Uh, he's just a guy hurt and frustrated over something and feels like the world doesn't care about it and no one's talking about it. And so, um, you know, that's, that was the angle that I took with him. I didn't say, well, it's not time to talk about that. We're dealing with George Floyd, um, which is true, but it just, you know, would that minister, would that encourage, would that point him to the Lord? No, I don't want to argue. I, I, I really, if I'm dealing with a non-believer, I don't care about anything except when they need the Lord. And so whatever we can do, I can die to my own emotions, my own feelings, my own concerns at that moment. That guy needs Jesus. He needs, he needs to know God loves him and God died for him and, and, and cares for him. I don't want to push him away. I want to pull him in closer. And um, I think of the church, white, black, Hispanic, otherwise, if we would just be more minded of that, I'm more mindful of, you know, the gospel impact that this will have. I care about this yes. person's soul and how they're doing. I think it would influence some of what we do and don't say. I agree. I think if you guys are listening, you know, the the theme of of today's program, you can hear that a lot of the things you would hear in a Bible study, a lot of things that you would hear on this radio station, uh, dying to ourselves, loving our neighbor, um, n- not being offended, choosing not to argue. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with the crisis, and and this is an overwhelming crisis. And let's not minimize the overall. This is an over. This is racism in the church in our world has always been an issue. It is a deep, deep sin issue, no doubt about it, but it's an issue nonetheless. And and this comes on top of being isolated, uh, and it comes actually not even on top of, it's sort of integrated to the whole COVID-19 scenario of being isolated in your house, uh, not scared, um, like all these emotions are running rampant and and things like you know things like being angry and confused and challenged and frustrated uh, and feeling about feeling injustice. I know that I know that part of the part of this injustice triggered some things in me um, about personal injustices that that are still undone in my life, and it doesn't look like it'll ever be undone. Like I, I think. Like there's a part of me as I've assessed things in my life, certainly not to the degree of racism. So I'm not comparing um, that. I'm comparing the feeling of injustice that like there's things in my life that are deeply painful and absolutely unjust that have come at the hand of people that I trusted um, that 
we, as I look at it, I go, well, Lord, I have to, com- I have to commit it to you uh, because I just don't see a way. I just don't see a way without you, Lord, that this could possibly ever be made right. And, yeah. and if you magnify that from the, from this, from the, the, the position of a, of a black person, a black man, a woman that has lived with this from the moment they've taken a breath, those things become cumulative and you're right. They, they, they become, they become so, um, and so deep that it's, it's, you, you could forget that the gospel is still powerful, even in the midst of a crisis like this. So let's yeah. go to the phone lines. We have somebody that was waiting yesterday that didn't have a chance to get on. And so we're going to go over to Colorado Springs. Janelle is on the line with us. Janelle, welcome to the program. Thank you. I just want to express how much I am um, rejoicing that we can have dialogue like yesterday's and today's programs. And as a blind person who has also experienced some discrimination, not racially, um, I can add a voice to this in a slightly different way. Um, I think that our perspective in the church has been to leave responsibility of past generations alone. We tend to individualize sin so much so that it looks like a a shirt that's just been detailed at the cleaners. It's not like anybody else's. It's not the same color. It's not the same pattern. And we do this all the time as evangelicals. And my thought is that in the Old Testament Hebrew consciousness, there was a collective consciousness of wrongdoing. I have a privilege in the Springs here to be a part of a church that is very well integrated. We have black people, we have white people, we have Hispanics, we have Jamaicans, and it's such a blessing to be able to come into that banner of unity and know that we're all working for the same purpose. We're all working for the same cause. We surely don't all see everything alike. We've had some pretty heated discussions in in our um, lessons about some of the things that, you know, were, were printed and said and commented on. But if you recall, there's a scripture in the Old Testament and and sins are being confessed. I don't recall the exact spot. And the people say in their confession, we have sinned. And you think, okay, this sounds pretty good. They're taking a personal responsibility, each one for their sins. No. It was a collective consciousness and a collective responsibility because they say we have sinned we and our fathers oh janelle that that is a that is a good point uh bill do you have any do you have any feedback on that yeah i think you know as they were kind of confession national sins um I think that's healthy. You know, it just says, look, we, we, 
even if collectively we just acknowledge, man, we haven't we haven't done this right. Um, I confession and it's, it's the beginning of repentance. It's acknowledging that there was a problem or that there is yes. a problem. And and I, I disagree with you know what you're sharing, you know, Janelle, that that that's like step one, you know. So sometimes we're hindered from getting on the step two and three. Um, which is, you know, racial reconciliation and healing and thriving together because there'll be people that aren't at step one, which is, you know, we've right. sinned. This thing, this is wrong. It's wrong to not love everybody. It's wrong to, to divide. It's wrong to, you know, to put everybody of one group in a, in a certain packaging. So, um, yeah, I think that's even a great starting place, you know, as, as they were confessing that, confessing, confessing their national sins and, you know, acknowledge that we've done this and it's wrong. Uh, I think that's a great place for the church to begin on this issue of racism. You know that it's yeah. it's been there so long um, that you know I think some people are are either have been unwilling to acknowledge that it exists or that it's it's still there. But I think that's a great starting place for for churches as we look to move forward because we we definitely want to get to where we move forward and we, we begin to have victory. What uh, she said something that I, I'd like to clarify me and get your opinion on is it is it appropriate or is it the right thing to say that a church is integrated? Um, I I'd, I'd like to think because there there are uh, you know it's been said Sunday morning is still the most segregated day of the week and so yes um, you know some people make a lot of there there are very you know multicultural churches where. You know, it's it's man. There's some of every culture has has been comfortable to make that kind of church home, and I I like that. I think I think a church should represent the community that it's planted in. Um, you know, I, I hate the idea of of an all black church or an all white church. Um, you know, so I don't know if integrated or, or just. I think a healthy church is going to represent yeah. its community. And and if Jesus is is really the, if if we're not raising up culture, we're not raising up politics, we're raising up Jesus. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the one we're That's looking right. to. Jesus is the one we're worshiping. Um, I think then we can draw all types of different people, different backgrounds, different cultures, different you know different financial um, backgrounds, and and still yeah. find that there's unity at the foot of the cross. So. Yeah, because I, the reason I, that caught my ear was like, then then mean. I guess the opposite then would be segregated churches, and it just seems like that tone that term is a loaded term. Like, um, and and I wasn't sure. I, I I've never viewed churches as integrated or segregated, but but I do I do understand that principle. Like when we moved to Colorado, um, I wasn't given a lot of instruction. Don't know how to plan a church, but I did know this, uh, and at least I felt like the Lord was showing me that a healthy church is going to look like its community. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and so it's you I, I've never had a I, I've never had a desire to make a church or build a church, but I have been I've ha- I have had a desire to be a part of a church in a community that absolutely represents the community. Which brings me to this question. This is a pretty heavy one that came through on text. I'll read it exact I'll read it verbatim. What do we do if we no longer feel safe coming to church based off of the hateful comments we have seen from people from church toward people of color. What are your thoughts wow. on that? Um, a, I mean, that's a huge. I, one. I would. That's a huge question, and um, and if it's if it's it sounds like it was people from church, I would, I would, I would, I would want to go to the leadership of the church and, and say, hey guys, this is 
this has happened to us here and just see what the what the elders and what the spiritual leadership of the church would do because i i'd hate to make you know make a decision about a church based on what someone who came did and it may not represent the heart of the leadership it may not represent what's being taught uh, it may just be some rogue people that are that are attending and saying whatever they want so I wouldn't want to make a general. I wouldn't want to make a generalization of, a, of an entire church based on something that some members or some people that attend said. If that was coming from the leadership, I would say leave and look right. for somewhere healthy. But if it's happening among the body, I would start with. I would want to go to the leadership and 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 see how they would. What would they do about that? You know how they would handle it. Um, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't want someone to. If some 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 random person said something offline in our church, I would hate to think that someone would leave without 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 having the chance. If I weren't aware of it, you know, I would want to be aware if someone were saying something uh, off color, uh, certainly something racial or um, discriminatory. I would I would want to know that I could, as a leader, I could intervene and and um, and make that right. And I, I would add to that as a pastor, you know, I would add that uh, this is one of the reasons why I got off of Facebook, because I couldn't handle the things, not necessarily on this topic, because I haven't been on Facebook for this for this particular topic, but I, I, I was watching believers get caught up in the emotion of things, get caught up in, um, in, in write or post um, really, really n- not God-honoring things, and it was discouraging to see the the darkness of hearts being revealed on Facebook. Um, but so I would say that as you do see something, uh, if you know that person, the Bible says uh, to go to them and speak to them. Now, you, you're already in a position of fear, so I think a phone call or a text or a private message might be in order. Uh, believe me, people um, are open to, many people are open to dialogue but certainly I wouldn't do that to put myself in a place of fear. And then that's where I would bring in, uh, I, I wouldn't do that if I'm fearful, put myself in a place of danger. Um, and then I would tail that into what Pastor Bill said, where the leadership of the church is to help bring reconciliation and things like this. And I wouldn't want you to associate fear uh, with your church. And, 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 and yet at the same time, you know that there have been people in your church that disagree with your point of view or you disagree with their point of view for a long time. But like, you know, if they, if they threaten to kill, uh, if they threaten, if, if there's like really illegal things, you have no need to put up with that. Um, you can report them. You can, there's a lot of different things, but, but it sounds like you want to come back and you're looking for a way. And I think that it does come with a place of, of trust of the leadership. And of course, if I would even add to what Bill said, if the leadership's posting things, then you need to contact your pastor right away. Um, like that, you can just email them, text them, uh, and contact them right away. But that, that fact that you're not feeling safe is normal. Yeah, It's unfortunate, but it's normal. And I'm sorry that you would even have that feeling when it comes to the worship of God, that the, the racial tensions and the anger and the frustration. You know, what I found on Facebook too is that people speak to in generalities, like they speak to their, the, and I, I'd spent, you know, Bill, we'd spent two, three hours on Wednesday as a staff, open dialogue and discipleship on this. And one of the things I was sharing is that our culture 
across the board has lost the ability to parse things out. Uh, kind of what I said earlier, you know, they, they've lost the ability to believe two things at the same time. Instead, they make them anti uh, and, and then devour the person that doesn't agree with them instead of acknowledge the person that doesn't agree with them, but also learn from the person. There might be a reason why they came to this place. Uh, there, might be a, there might be things that you, that, that you could learn about them that would help you to empathize with them, like, like laying, our, laying ourselves down for one another. But when it comes to fear of going to church, that just sounds like uh, it's a much higher level of concern. And, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've seen things on Facebook that have made you afraid to worship God, um, because we we that that's not the heart of Jesus Christ or any God, any group of people of group of broken people that want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I hope both of those points of view help you. Um, I got another text, Bill, that says uh, reminding us of First John chapter one. So if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all uh, wickedness. And if we claim that we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And uh, kind of covers even the last caller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, just the acknowledgement that we, we, have, we, ha- we have sin and we, we need to bring it to Jesus, and, and, but acknowledge it, got to confess it. And I think that a great, uh, a great aspect, again, on the last caller, is that you have examples in the scriptures of leaders standing up and repenting for the national sin, for the collective sin, even though they are innocent in the individual matter, they, they find themselves guilty collectively of the humanity of it, and uh, it isn't you sinned, it's we've sinned. Yeah. And there's a great humility that comes through that. So one last question, because we're almost out of time. Um, I know you're raising kids uh, in this climate, and I have, uh, you know, I know a lot of people also that are raising kids, but I have a friend who is raising uh, a very young uh, black child, and he's, he and his wife are very concerned. Uh, and just the general question, how, how does he prepare his son for the world in which he lives in right now, what would you say, or what have you done that have helped has helped you as a dad? Um, yeah, that's, I got a I got a fifteen and a half year old that I'm, you know, be teaching how to drive, and so um, you know, all my kids. Obviously, the number one thing is we want them to know the Lord, um, and I think that just belong to God, be under be under His covering, be under the umbrella of His care and covering. Uh, but yeah, when you're raising a black kid, I'm, and I'm in particular my son. Um, I do train them, you know, hey, when you interact with the police, you got to do this. Um, you got to follow the instructions. You, you don't, we don't want a mistake. You know, we don't want them to think that you're, don't, you don't be combative. You know, you answer respectfully. Um, you put your hands where they can see them. You wait and get permission to reach for your licensing. All the things that we've known people have been shot for, you just want to eliminate that. And, um, hmm. I, I was raised that way. My mom, my dad did that with me. Um, with, if you're raising black kids, in particular boys, uh, that are going to be encountering police, you do prepare them. You know, um, you know, be respectful, obey. You know, obey the law. But if you get a traffic stop or something like that, 
Um, you just go above and beyond to make sure that they don't mistake you as someone that's looking for a fight or wants trouble. You know, I, I want you to come home. And um, I think it's unfortunate that that has to be done, but, but those are concerns. Um, if, you know, if you're, I'm just, I'm a black man. I know that I've been, I've been pulled over. I've been detained. Um, I've had a cop that, you know, detained me because, and, and I just, I was wondering why am I being handcuffed? I, you know, for his safety while he, you know, while he goes through my car, um, which there wasn't even a reason for him to do that. This is as a pastor, you know, so right. uh, I know that those things can happen. And so we just prepare them as the best we can. But the best preparation is that they know Jesus and yes. uh, are under his covering. Well, Bill, we're coming up to the final uh, 60 seconds of the program. I want to thank you, but I want to give you the last 45 seconds. Uh, any any uh, final thoughts you want to share with our audience? I would say this to all those listening, that um, we do live in a fallen world. These issues exist, and, uh, and they can be troublesome, and, and, and ang- you know, they can cause anger and grief. Uh, I just would encourage everyone listening that we would look to Jesus. Um, they're... they're he is the he is the one that can heal the brokenness in our culture. Uh, he can forgive uh, the sins that we've committed if we've been wrong. If you're the one that's been wrong, God can take your bad situations and make them good. And so wherever you fall, you feel like you're a victim here. If you feel like you've been a, a proponent of racism, maybe you've been both. Um, as you, you know, maybe you just live in a world where you see it all around you. I just would encourage you to receive Jesus for yourself and share him and proclaim him as the only answer to this world's issue. God bless you guys, and thanks for listening. Thank, thank you, Bill. Love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Love you too, man. God bless you, bro. All righty. Hey, you hear the music, the end of the show. We got two seconds, so I just want to say we love you and appreciate you, and we're grateful you tune in uh, to Calvary Live. Pray for us. Pray for our cities. We pray for you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.